0: This week, we are joined by Todd Johns from Pie Boys Barbecue, and we are super excited about this because this is absolutely the best podcast we've done about operating a barbecue restaurant.
1: Welcome to the Butcher Barbecue Podcast, world headquarters, Wellston, Oklahoma. The butcher turned master,
0: your host, David Bosca. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Butcher Barbecue Podcast, we have a longtime friend, a restaurateur, a re- um, competition cook. Man, I, I really don't know all the different names I can put with his, but everybody, I'd like to welcome Todd Johns of Plowboys Barbecue.
1: Yeah, I think really great looking guy and really, really intelligent would also be some things <laughs> that, you know, I've heard, but I think it was me talking to myself, so.
0: I I apologize for not throwing that in there. (laughs) That's all right, and yeah, we'll start over. And I'll say that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you and I have known each other for a long, long time. I've been trusting my butcher for as long as I can remember. So, yeah, there's a lot of water under our bridges.
0: There is, and I was trying to think when was the first time it might was it at the Cook Shack class when Eddie and Paul was hosting it, and you and I was running pits.
1: No, I don't. I think it was before that. I, I man, it's oh, been so long. I can't remember. That was two thousand eight. But I, I want to say it was maybe a couple years before that we were because I was using your products. I think before that,
0: I know it was before that. And is also when you won first place brisket at the American Royal. I remember mm. catching some little something standing in line there when I was third and you was first.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I don't know who would have said something to who, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I didn't, I didn't mind taking that crown home that day. I'll tell you that.
0: <laughs> that's right. And do you realize it was until 2018 before we ever got a crown?
1: Yeah, yeah, I was there. I was there. I was
0: sitting right. Oh, that's crazy, right. I You're think. sausage king.
1: Yeah, yeah, we got a sausage trophy. Today,
0: so, well, tell everyone where the name Plowboy come from. So we. Oh man, this is a long story.
1: Uh, we um, started
0: competition
1: cooking in 2001 and it was my wife's oldest brother Randy and I and so every team has to have a name everything is always like smoking something or a derivative of a butt or a hog or rubbing something and smoking something and and we just wanted something a little bit different so one day he said oh I got it figured out he said pork pulling plowboys he wanted to do kind of a play on pulled pork and he says well i'm kind of a plow boy he was a hog farmer at the time and i grew up my mom and dad both were farm kids and so i had grandparents that had farms and i spent a ton of time in iowa on their farms in northwest iowa kind of fit me too and so then when we started doing the retail products and then now the restaurants and stuff, it just became Plowboys. But when we compete, it's still Pork pulling and Plowboys. That's where it all started from. And the competitions are still where we don't do a lot of them anymore, but they're still where we, you know, have fun. And it's where our roots came from. So, yeah. What did you cook on when
0: you first got... St- oh, sorry.
1: No, that's all right. So we first cooked on... The first year, we had a good one that was on an axle that we borrowed. And then the second year, we got a little the smaller Kingfisher rotisserie which were made down in Tulsa, right? I think they're Kingfisher, Oklahoma. Yeah. Oh Kingfisher, Oklahoma. And so um, we had a Kingfisher, the smaller rotisserie. We then got a the bigger Kingfisher with the bigger rotisserie. We switched from those to Pellet in two thousand six, I believe. And I had some Traegers and then um, then we moved to the F E C one hundreds.
0: Did you ever cook on one of the All Things Barbecues When
1: Did I cook on what?
0: Did you ever cook on one of the pellet cookers up here from Don with All Things Barbecue? Oh,
1: I have. Um, I've, I've cooked on them at the American Royal the last couple of years. I've actually got a 640 at the house. I've been down to Wichita, cooked at their facility a few times. So I'm fairly familiar. every time I cook on one, I think God, I need to cook on these more. they're they're just are so easy, so well constructed and so dialed in. They're a lot of fun. As a matter of fact, my wife had her birthday last night and I did salmon and green beans on the on the sixth floor house.
0: Wow, I want to say happy birthday to Audrey. Yeah. What is that beautiful pit that you keep rolling around on the ice streetss?
1: <laughs> so that is also a uh, yoder. Uh, it's a stretched cimarron on an axle. So it's a, it's a true offset stick burner. Uh, We've got that all logoed up and we've cooked on that at the Royal and I've cooked on it at at a few contests between that. And I still have an FEC 100 um, here at the house and I've got the 640 pellet. And then I've got four big green eggs. Those are kind of my pits that I like, you know, if it depends on what mood I'm in, if I want to fire up a cooker I've got two larges on the deck. You know, I'll do those every now and then, or I just I just want to cook pellets. I want to sit and throw logs on a fire. You've got to have variety, David. you got to have variety.
0: I'm with you. i got nine pits. I think I'm up to 24. I need to let Wilma know I'm way behind. Well, you know, we've got seven of them just at the
1: restaurants. So, eight of them just at the <laughs> restaurants. So.
0: Uh, Well, tell us how you evolved in barbecue. Obviously, comp cooking started. I know you had some rubs real quick. So tell us the evolution of Plowboys.
1: So the evolution of Plowboys was when, when I first started dating Audrey, I would go to family things and her brothers were a little bit older, but they had been married early. So the family was pretty well established, the last new person to come into the family was like 10 years prior to me so you can imagine walking into a pretty established family and it's a little uncomfortable everyone knows each other so well and I always say that her oldest brother Randy took pity on me and just tried to figure out something that we could talk about and it ended up being barbecue I was just getting interested in barbecue at the time and he had done some big cooks with Missouri pork producers, and so to me it was like uh, sucking up all of all of his experience and hearing about doing something more than just
0: cooking a pork butt. I'd call and, it sucking up to the family.
1: Well, and that too. Oh yeah, plenty of that. <laughs> and uh, and so he said one day, he says we should do this thing called a barbecue contest. And I said, well, what's that? That sounds interesting. And so we went and did a judging class at the American Royal and then started cooking in 2001. And and we were terrible for a long time. You know, back then in the early 2000s, there wasn't a lot of information being shared. There wasn't videos on the Internet. There weren't, you know, if you wanted, there were very few videos out there and they were all on VHS tape. I mean, we have the original, still have them, the original Chris Lilly videos from that time. Yes, I got them. I mean, there were no classes to take. There was nothing. And people weren't mentors back then either. It was like, you want to figure it out? You do what we did. Cook a bunch of contests and find out what what works and what doesn't for you. Once the internet kind of started permeating itself into barbecue competitions, all of a sudden we started meeting people online and then meeting them in real life. And then people started sharing things more. The Barbecue Brethren kind of became where we really started to learn and network with people people in our own city that I didn't know. Andy Groneman and I met each other on Barbecue Brethren. And I remember the first time I met Andy face to face was two thousand six. And and then, you know, from there we cooked together and have have become, you know, the best of friends. But a lot of that was because of Barbecue Brethren. And so our first grand champion was in Kearney, Missouri in two thousand seven september of 2007 we had already been cooking that was our seventh year of cooking and i figured up i think we had done 70 contests prior to winning our first one so when i say we were not very good we were not very good it took us 70 contests to figure it out well then they started (laughs) then they started falling like dominoes after that for a couple of years so now, once we got it figured out and dialed in, I would say we turned the corner when we knew what was good food and what wasn't good food. I could start to tell this entry is not going to do it today, and this one is. And, and once I figured that out, then it was about kind of replicating that, and I, got, I, I kind of understood um, what good food was and what it wasn't. And I I wish I could explain it better than that. But I just remember that moment where it was like, ah, now I get it. Things kind of started taking off from there. The other thing was just pushing a lot of numbers. And instead of doing 12 contests a year, starting to do 18, 20, uh, I think I got up to 25, 26, I think. And now it's like you got to do 40 or 50. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. And I know exactly what you're talking about. I remember Martin and I talking the first time we went to the Royal, we thought we had good food. Second year, that whole year we cooked, That, and then we went to the Royal, we're like, man, this is good food. Why isn't it hitting? Okay, and then the third year when we started hitting, won our grand, and then went back, we're like, I can't believe we thought that was good food. Yep. We I, I re- then understood the levels are.
1: Right, and then looking at boxes. you know, I don't take pictures of boxes anymore, but I've got a bunch of pictures of early boxes, and I remember thinking man, we're really on to something. And now I look back and go, oh my gosh, those look terrible. So yeah, it's, there's there's nothing that can replace experience in, in anything, you know, in anything. I was having this conversation the other day about just home maintenance and repair. And it's like, you know, things like plumbing or things like electricity, It's you know, doing electrical work, it's, it's not like it's rocket science. But man, if you don't know what you're doing, if you don't have that experience, it might as well be. Barbecue's the same way. It's not rocket science. It's just cooking food over wood. But man, if you don't have that, you know, theoretical ten thousand hours uh to master it, great thing is we're not gonna burn our house down because we wired something wrong. <laughs> and we get to eat our mistakes. So I always tell people I've eaten a lot of bad barbecue, but most of it was my own. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. So when did you come out with your rubs and sauce?
1: Oh, so that that happened in uh, January of 2007. We're now starting our 14th year of Yardbird. We hadn't won anything yet. The only way people knew us was they might have seen us at a contest or seen us online. I mean, there was no reason to know who we were. Randy was starting to do some roadside vending. He had bought a vending trailer, and so he wanted something to put out to you know have other things other than plates you know to sell and something that had our name on it. And so I decided to um, invest in some bottles and some spices and started mixing it up myself. And, you know, bought I invested in labels. That was the thing I felt like, if I'm going to really get anyone's attention, the label better look professional. You know, they don't need to know that I'm mixing this stuff up in a in a plastic tote in my kitchen. <laughs> but mm-hmm. if it looks like, if the looks like I'm mixing it up in a tote in my kitchen. It's not going to catch anyone's attention. So, you know, I spent some real money there, and the rest of it was just kind of as I went. That was January of 2007, and then a couple of people, Andy Groneman, was the first one to win a first place using Yardbird at the Great American Barbecue, which is no longer, and he won chicken. Well, when you've got someone using your product called Yardbird and they win chicken, (laughs) hey— You got you got a story to tell now. And then we had someone else win chicken later that year using it. And then all of a sudden it was like, people like, Hey, what's this stuff? You know, and it just, people started using it. And then we, Andy and I, the year later, won pork. I, Randy and I won pork at the great American in 2008 using yard bird. And then Andy and I won pork in the American Royal invitational using yard bird And from there, it really started taking off. And then we went on the the following year. I went to uh, the Lakes Contest up in uh, Illinois for the butt-to-butt, up in Shannon. Shannon. And I won the butt-to-butt that year. And Andy's out in uh, Great Bend winning chest-to-chest. We did it in the same day and under Plowboy's name. And so that kind of stuff, all of a sudden, you know, we were getting some traction with people wanting to use the product. And now we're that I'm aware of. We're in uh, 12 countries, three continents, uh, over 2,500 retailers. I couldn't even tell you the number of retailers that we're in, but I know that it's north of 2,500 now. And to to think that some little thing I did in my kitchen 13 plus years ago, anyone would want is crazy. And to be a, a brand known halfway around the world is completely humbling and I'm more lucky than I am good but I'll take it
0: to think back the when under your fingernails were stained uh, the <laughs> tips of them and now today it's like that I can just say congratulations
1: yeah thank you but you know like I said it's you know we we won the American Royal Invitational in 2009 and I tell everybody you know there were a hundred other people that could have won that and we just happened to be the luckiest out of that hundred I mean there's so many worthy products, so many worthy pitmasters out there, you know, for those of us that get our streak of luck every now and then. And I never think I've been humbled by this whole thing way too many times as well as I know you have, you know, you start, you start thinking that, you know, you're the end all be all of barbecue and somebody or something's going to come along and knock you down to, to right size you, you know? And so... I don't, I always credit, you know, God, the universe, whatever, for the luck that we got along the way too. And, you know, I feel like we're, we're, where we are, uh, we're, where we need to be, you know, this is, this is the journey that, um, that our life put us on. So
0: it's kind of cool. You and I both had complete different professions before we got into barbecue and how we evolved into what we are today. Why? I don't know. But I'm really happy. I'm with you on that.
1: Yeah, you know, the older you get, the harder it is to be a male stripper, and so I decided to leave that profession.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, okay. I'm I'll I'll just let you know being younger it was hard too. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. And you know, there's, well, okay. there's a lot of things though, that if one of
1: the, one of the things that we had going for us, probably, I know I did was that, um, I was too dumb to know better. And there's so many things that I know now that, you know, the things that we've accomplished kind of go against the odds a little bit that if I wanted to set out and do them now all over again, I would have talked myself out of it, you know, to, to think that, that uh, you're going to you know, have four restaurant locations, to think that you're going to go out and um, be a brand outside of your own town. Those odds are not good. And so I think the 38-year-old me was just naive enough to think he could do it. The 50-year-old me would do the math and go, eh, I probably could do something you know, with a little more probability. But <laughs> thank God I was naive and stupid because I wouldn't be here you know if, if i wouldn't have taken those chances and so sometimes being you know being young and you know b- bright eyed and and ready to take on the world is a good thing now now we're older and we're smart enough to you know, put a little wisdom behind it and not screw it up, hopefully.
0: And let's be real. We both know it takes family, not on the, just an encouragement side, but just their, their trust, their love that they understand that what we've got inside us has still got to come out.
1: And nothing, nothing says that more than a competition barbecuer, I think, or an entrepreneur, you know, that, that just wants to hustle that, that restaurant, that, that food truck, whatever, because you know, your your kids, your spouse, they're they're watching you walk out, you know, getting in the truck with the barbecue trailer behind you and heading out for another weekend. But they know that, like you said, you got to get it out of you, you know, you, you got that passion that just is, is going to itch, you know, you got an itch, you got a yeah. scratch. But it's fun when you can take them along too. And Michael, my oldest son, went to a lot of barbecue contests. His first barbecue contest that he went with Randy and I, he was three years old, you know, he was, he just took off and started running with the other kids and, um, it was such a safe environment for him, but yeah, you know, he, he's traveled with me a lot. Those are some really great memories too. I'm sure for him as well. So that's the other part of it is when you get a chance to bring them along, it was, it was always harder for our family to do that. Um, than it was for some, I was, was jealous of the families, you know, that could all come out, um, uh, Jason and Megan Day here from Kansas City or uh, Kim and Andy Groneman, you know, they, it's a family thing. And I think that's always cool. It's always harder for us for a lot of reasons. But, um, you know, it it doesn't have to be, uh, hey, I'll see you guys on uh, Saturday night when I get back, <laughs> you know.
0: Yeah. And I can tell you watching him grow up, I think the last time I actually seen him in person might have been at the American World when they presented the colors, the flag. Mm, yeah. And he was young then compared to now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's 16 now. Golly. Almost, almost as tall as me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. Well, then let's keep rolling here. What made you want to open a restaurant?
1: I was in IT for 23 years. I was doing more with barbecue. It it really was consuming more of my thought process. Uh, it was consuming my, you know, more of my energy is really where my passion just kept drawing me to, and it was no longer technology as much. An opportunity came up to do a restaurant here in Blue Springs, Missouri, where we live, less than a mile from our house, decided, you know what, I believe that we can do it. The The math worked out, and it was like, I think we can do this, and just knew that I was walking into a job every day, even though it was a great company and I worked with great people. And frankly, I wouldn't be where I'm at if it wasn't for my IT career. There's so many things I credit my ability to do today uh, to manage a business by being around. The thing with IT is, uh, and I was on the management side, I wasn't a developer. But you have to go into these departments, understand what they do, whether it's finance, manufacturing, warehousing, customer service, sales. You have to go in and understand what they do so you can help them automate their processes. So along the way, you're gathering all kinds of information from people that are experts in their field. And so I got to work with a lot of designers. I got to work with a lot of communications people, I mean, all that stuff, warehousing. You know, I have inventory. I have inventory. I have to count. I, you know, we have books, so we have to understand you know, what's a balance sheet, what's a profit and loss statement, um, what are cost of goods? I, I got to draw upon my IT career of 23 years and bring it into this business. And then 20 years of, of competition, barbecue and, and cooking to bring this business. So, you know, it just seemed like we could do this. And now it's been six and a half years since we opened our first one. I say now, if, if we had to close everything tomorrow it was a success. We've already outlived so many restaurants. We've outlived so many barbecue restaurants. We still have a long way to go. We're always trying to still figure this thing out. But
0: in six and a half years, your restaurant is known as one of the staples. It's not, it's an independently owned. It's been around a little bit. People drive into Kansas City going, I've got to go eat at Plyboys.
1: Yeah, we hope so. I mean, our, our goal is to always, there's a hundred, there's over 125 barbecue restaurants in Kansas city and we just have three of them. And the, and the fourth location being in Lincoln, Nebraska, but we, we're not going to be an 800 pound gorilla in this city, you know, but if we can be a 200 pound gorilla and be a part of that conversation, that's really what we strive for you know it it's hard to if your sites are on Joe's Kansas City man, that's one of the most known barbecue restaurants in the country and is is known in other parts of the world like that's a I mean, good for you if you think you can do that but I just want to make a living and sell barbecue and you know have a good team that I work with and and enjoy what I do. I don't, you know, I don't need to be known as the best. I want to, you know, have a life I enjoy. So, but we want to be involved in the conversation. You know, if you say Kansas City barbecue, you're going to say Joe's, you're going to say Jack Stack. You know, if you're old school, you're going to say Bryant's and Gates, you're going to say slap. And so we, we just want to be in mentioned in that same conversation, you know, mention Plowboys too. Cool, cool thing about barbecue restauranting in Kansas City is it so akin to competition barbecue. Um, I can't tell you how many sit downs I've had with other operators where we just chew the fat. We chew the brisket, if you will, and just share things that we've learned, things that we're going through, help each other out, you know, offer, you know, if someone needs a smoker, I got one on a trailer. You want to use it? You know, that kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff you see In competition barbecue every weekend, and for the most part, that's what you get in the barbecue restaurant scene in Kansas City too. So, I'm used to that. I know how that works. You know, everyone wants everyone else to succeed. No one is trying to see. You know, I want you to fail so that I can take you know your place or I can take over your market. Or I've always said I'd rather work with someone like Butcher Barbecue. You sell rubs, you sell sauces, but you know what? I'd rather I'd rather work with you, you know, looking at that dollar on the table. Let's work to instead of fighting over that dollar, let's make it 10. Let's work together and make it 10. And if you get seven, that's still three for me. That's two more than I would have gotten if I would have fought you over it. So, you know, all boats lifting, everyone helping each other. That is, for the most part, the scene in Kansas City barbecue, and you know we all eat at each other's places and encourage each other. And it doesn't mean I don't want to be known uh, as the best barbecue in Kansas City. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. And something you said early on in that, I had asked what got you into the restaurant, and you mentioned what I would call short-term goals, not long-term. Long-term goals would be the worldwide recognition your short-term goals that you have built as the foundation of Plowboy's Barbecue was, I want good barbecue. I want to just make a living for my family. You know, those were the, and, and work with good people, you said. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Those the, 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 the are team, short-term goals that the, have allowed you to go. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the, the people you know, the team that we have, you know, if you don't enjoy that, you're going to have a hard time getting to work every day. <laughs> you're going to have a hard time getting yeah. up for work every day. And and uh, we've just been so fortunate to have the people we need at the right time when we need it. You know, have built a lot of great friendships, too. You know, sometimes, you know, there are things that, you know, as as the owner, operator of a business, you know, manager of a business, you know, there's some things that aren't very fun and some conversations that you have to have that aren't very fun. But, you know, I would say that's the job I signed up for. And so, you know, ultimately I'm the guy that has to make tough decisions sometimes or has to have conversations that aren't very fun, you know, be that with other team members or vendors or, you customers or whatever. And doing, doing the tough stuff is no fun for for me either, but it's the job I signed up for. And, you know, I knew that going in is that, Hey, sometimes it's going to be hard to sleep that night, but that's, that's the job you took. And the other, the other aspect of that is like it or not, I'm, I'm the face of the company and I don't, I don't, like a lot of attention like that. I don't see myself as being better or anything than anybody else. My business partner, you know, brags about and talks about me more than I ever do. But I also know that that's part of the brand, you know, our, our lineage, our, pedigree coming from competition barbecue and the things that we did. There's so many pitmasters out there that have done way more than I have, but I also know that there are a lot that wish they could have done half of what we've done. And so that just is part of what has built our brand and so you have to embrace that. Whether you like the attention or not, like I said I'm not an attention hog, but I understand that that's part of our brand and that's also the job I signed up for, you know, is, is to go out there and and be the face of that brand. Sometimes it's uncomfortable, but that's what I have to do. So there's that part of it too.
0: One thing I want to go all the way back to the beginning before we step to the next question. When you said that I think I can do this, I know your location, I know how close it was to you. I mean, your predicament is going to be different than the next guy and I know what building you um, you took, yeah. did you have a location then decide on the business or did you say, Hey, I'm going to do a location. And then I started looking for it. I'm sorry. Gosh, I screwed that all up. I, I or you. did you have a business plan and then found the location? I think it's a, I think
1: it's a hybrid of both. I think it's a great question. Um, even though you really screwed it up, David, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, we wanted to be in blue springs, And it made way too much sense because I don't want to be halfway across the city from the location because I'm never going to be home. And so I needed it to be close. My family was a lot younger then. And so I didn't want to, I didn't want to lose my family to gain a business and a profession.
0: That's right. Your family is very close to you and you're very close to your family. And I'm not saying no one else's isn't, but your family is your nucleus.
1: Yeah. And so I didn't want to lose that, you know, and both of my boys are, are adopted. And I've always said, you know, when you adopt a child, all parents do this, no matter how those children came to your family, but you make a promise, you know, you make a promise that I'm going to be dad. She's going to be mom. And, you know, we are your family. We're making that commitment. And so to do that, and then, you know, several years later go, eh, you know what, but I really want to do this barbecue thing. So, you know, Good luck guys. you know you can't do that you've made a you've made that commitment you have to honor that so to have something on the other side of the city didn't make sense. We also lived here um, I've lived here for twenty years. Audrey's lived here for almost thirty. We went to church here we had kids in school here we built we were in scouts here you know and we're still all of those things so this is our community and we had built up enough relationships and we had been feeding people this whole time right so for 13 years, we were feeding people. Whenever we'd have a, a Boy Scout, Cub Scout banquet, we'd bring food and we'd cater it. And, you know, whenever people would come to barbecue contests to visit us, we'd feed them. So we had already been seeding, not knowing where we were going, we'd been seeding this whole community with Plowboys for years, for over a decade. And so when we went to open up the doors, it was like you could hear the whoosh of like the air coming into the building and all these people coming in. And most of them were people that we knew or people that they knew. And so, Hey, you know, Levi's opening in a place. I know Levi come with me. You don't know him, but you're gonna. And, you know, so, so having that vacuum of demand is what I call it. You know, that vacuum of demand, you're, you're there's pent up, <laughs> just can't wait for you to open. And we had that here. I wouldn't have had that in any other part of the city. And frankly, we probably would not have lasted more than a few months without that. So that was just critically important. And, I don't know that we were. We knew it. I don't know that we knew it as uh, how critical it was as we do now. But we knew that that was going to be part of what was going to get us successful out of the gate, and why we thought we could make this
0: happen. I'm sorry. Well, the other thing I just how would you suggest anybody that wants to open something can help develop that?
1: Yeah. Well, and over the last six and a half years, I've had a lot of people call me and talk to me, and, and Levi has been one of them. You know, um, yeah, hey, that's I'm,
0: another question. I got that down
1: <laughs> and you know, people saying, Hey, I want to do what you've done. I want to, I want to, you know, leave my job and, and get into this. And, and I always tell them, you know, if you can survive the first 30 minutes of me talking you out of it, then I'll talk to you seriously. And, um, <laughs> there are the, the speech I give them is kind of goes like this. There are going to be 10 things and I'm making up 10, but let's say there's 10 things you have to know in order to run a successful barbecue business. Only one of those is knowing how to cook barbecue. You're not gonna, A, you're not gonna be able to do all 10 of them. You're not gonna be good enough. None of us are good enough to do all 10 of them. So you're gonna have to find some people that can do some of the things that either you're not good at or you don't want to do. So for me, I'm not a front of the house person. I could work a 12 hour shift in the kitchen and can't wait to come back. You put me in the dining room for an hour and I'm done. I'm just not the, I'm introverted, even though I don't, I'm, I'm a functional introvert. <laughs> I know how to do it, but man, it wears me out terribly. So, you know, I've immediately found someone that was going to handle the front of the house. And every person that I bring in as a general manager uh, or a manager has to have that because I'm not going to supplement it. You're supplementing me. So that's just one example of if someone's got to be in that dining room representing your company. And it'd be great if it could be you, but if you're not good at it, you have to look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm not going to be the one that can do a good job here. I need to find that person. If you're not good at your financials, you got to find someone that can help do your bookkeeping and manage those bank relationships and keep those bills paid. And oh, also you got to make sure you're collecting on uh, outstanding receivables. You know, Is, are people paying for their caterings that you just did? So if you're not good at all that kind of managing those details, you got to find someone. And so I think a lot of us cooks love to cook, and we love when people love what we cook. So my speech usually boils down to this one point. If your vision is your head's gonna be in a smoker all day and you're not gonna to have to deal with any bullshit and you just get to cook barbecue and every now and then you're gonna pop your head out of that smoker and look out into the dining room and you're gonna see all these smiling people. Of course, it's all full, right? Every table's full and there's people in line and and you're just gonna look out and you're gonna see all these smiling people enjoying, loving your creations. And you get to have that nice little warm, fuzzy feeling and put your head back in the smoker and get back at it. That's not it. That's not going to happen. There's way too much stuff that you have to keep your hands on and and know about to keep your business functioning. And being a cook and having good food is just one of those things. You better start having some honest conversations with yourself about what you expect and what the reality is going to be. And if you can survive that, now I'll talk to you. I left my job June 15th of 2013. I spent three months, 91 days specifically, without a paycheck. And we bought a Wendy's um, that had been closed for seven years. We have now operated it longer than Wendy's operated it.
0: Yeah, I love it.
1: And it, it, it's, in a, it's on a major highway. It doesn't have the best access. There were a lot of things, and I heard it, I heard it all. The access to this place isn't great. You don't having a direct pull-in off of the highway. Well, if Wendy's couldn't make this place work, how are you going to make it work? Um, you know, most restaurants fail in the first year. Blah, 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 blah. And were they all right? Yeah. This is why I'm saying, man, I'd rather be lucky than good because I'd rather be naive in the beginning and figure it out along the way because if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have done it. I would have been too scared. And But instead, everyone that came to me and the closer we got to opening, the more people came to me and told me why this wasn't going to work would only fuel my fire even more. It used to just make me mad. I got to the point where I would, they'd walk away and I'd be like, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you what I can do. So it became a personal challenge to be successful and to make it work. If you can go through that kind of conversation with me. And at the end of it, you're like, listen, Todd, you don't know who I am. I'm going to make this thing work and I'm going to come back here in a year and I'm going to put it in your face. Great. Now I'm talking to a guy that can run a barbecue restaurant. Let's, you know, let's talk seriously now about what needs to happen. It's a grind. There's competition everywhere. Most of it's national chains, small business, um, just doesn't get the respect it used to get in this country. These these national chains that have, you know, six uh, multiple six-figure salary people, you know, just thinking about location, uh, just thinking about menu. Like, we have to do it all. Um, I can't just turn to my team of menu developers and say, uh, let's think about a new sandwich for next month. We have to do it all. And so, like I said, you, you're going to have to be good at 10, 12 different things and you got to make sure they're being covered and being a good cook's only one of them. So that's that's kind of my history in a nutshell of starting this thing.
0: I tell you what, I wished I had a ding bell, something that I could tell the listeners for the last six, seven minutes Todd Johns just gave you a crash course in college on running a restaurant.
1: (laughs) Yeah, man, it's, it's a grind. The margins are thin. Prices are always changing, you know, and, and we could get into that now or in the future about, you know, so, so now that we are running a restaurant, how are we doing that? And, there's a lot of ways to do it. And we could talk about all kinds of people being very successful in ways that we're not successful. You know, we're successful doing it a different way. And just like, there's no one way to cook barbecue. You can cook it low and slow. You can cook it for 18 hours or you can cook it for three hours. It's still going to taste great. There's no way. There's no one way to run a barbecue restaurant either. And um, are you reading my notes? (laughs) No, I'm just living your notes, man. I'm living your notes. (laughs) so you know Um, there's no one way to do this either and and you kind of just have to figure out like part of it is just who are you and what and what's your style and um i use brad orson as an example and i know brad and i have a lot of respect for brad and that dude is really really smart if brad if all of a sudden one day brad and i switched And, and I said, okay, you're running plowboys. I'm running the shed. We'd come back in a week and everything would be changed because the shed is not me. And I guarantee you plowboys is not Brad, you know, Brad would come in and catch up the place and, and put his personality on it. Does that mean that Todd Johns or Brad Orison, one of them's better or worse than the other, We're just two different people and and your restaurant ends up reflecting that. So what I've learned what I learned early on is be who you are and not try to be who you're not because you're never going to be successful being that guy. you know so if I tried to do Brad Orison, I would fail miserably because that's not who I am. and if he tried to be me, it'd be the same thing. He'd be bored, I'm sure. <laughs>
0: Brad's Brad's
1: much more exciting and lively than I am.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you're aware of this, but the very first podcast we ever did was with Levi and you were mentioned on that podcast. Oh, crap. Oh, it was a good crud. (laughs) Levi said before he got going, he called you. Yes, he did. Because I asked him kind of the same question. What did you do to prepare? What did you think about? And he said, I called Todd Johns. And Todd told me something that has stuck with him ever since. He said, I asked him a question and he asked me, what is your number?
1: Oh man. See, I was going to mention that too. That's the other thing I ask people once they get through it, then I say, okay, what's your number? Cause if you can't hit your number, give it up. So anyway, tell me what Levi said. This is great.
0: <laughs> and it was, what is your number in life? What is your number in the restaurant? I mean, it's, it's goes with family. It's everything. If you are happy making $5,000 a year, you're going to be, that's all you need to make. If you need to make 500,000 a year and it's life also, he said, it's like how much, what is your number spending time with the family? Yeah. It goes with everything. And he has put that in play.
1: Good for him. Good. And, you know, I met Levi for the first—that conversation happened six years ago, five years ago at least. Yep. And I met him for the first time at the Jack this year. So, I mean, face-to-face, I mean, we've we've conversed a lot, but I don't think we've been face-to-face until uh, last October, walking down the street. I believe probably right. Walking down the street, and I said, oh, I know that guy. I've seen his picture. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) so it's it's true. You've got to have your number— you got to walk into it going. Here's what here's what I'm willing to accept because I took a pay cut and I still have taken a pay cut from what I was making in IT. But I'm happier. I've got more freedom. You know. So there are things that have replaced money. But I also knew. You know. I didn't want to move out of the house that we're in. I there was a, there was a minimum standard of living that I wanted to maintain. So could I do this and still maintain that? doesn't mean that some of your your goals or your or your lifestyle choices don't change some, you know, they just shift to other things, but man, it, it, if all of a sudden you got to like give up everything and totally change your life just to have this one thing, that doesn't seem worth it to me. And, you know, whether that's family, whether that's your home, you know, wh- whether it's the car you like to drive or whatever. I mean, at some level we're all red-blooded Americans that that like things, you know. And otherwise, we wouldn't work, but you know, I I think you have to know that you can hit that number. And for me, my number was actually lower than what I was making by a, by about a third. And so uh, I took a one-third pay cut, but I did something I loved. And hopefully, you know, that comes back um, eventually in, in spades, you know?
0: And I think it'll come back because you'll be able to have something to pass to your kids. And I think that's what Levi's looking at, too.
1: Yep. And, and, and that thing it may be the barbecue restaurant or it may be something that came about because of the barbecue restaurant. You know, that's the other thing is, you know, I don't know what's, I don't know what the next 10 years is going to bring the next 20 years. I don't know what my kids are going to want to do, but I do know that by keeping my nose to the grindstone now, only good things can, can come from that. So yeah, that's great. I'm glad that I'm glad that he picked that up because I, um, that is one of the two things, you know, the, the first thing I talk about is make it through this, uh, gauntlet of stuff that I'm going to tell you why you don't want to do this. And then I'm going to ask you what your number is. And then I'm going to talk to you about how we can get you there. So,
0: yeah, I then yesterday texted Levi and said that I was going to chat with you for the podcast. And I said, Hey, you got any questions for him? And he asked me this to ask you, and you have answered that already. That's why I said, have you been reading my notes? (laughs) And it was how did you set up your original location to be able to grow into two, three, and four? I took it as how you well. It's a lot like what you tell the new people. What do you not want to do? So you made sure someone else you hired could do that.
1: The the key is repeatable process. So, um, well, no, let me back up. The key is consistency. If you're if you're going to do a second, third, fourth. 100th location it has to be the same no matter which location you're talking about. And so you can't destroy your brand by having different menus, different food qualities, you know different service models. We have different service models um, a little bit but but you, you have to have a consistent customer experience and consistent food and for me that comes from consistent process. And there are a lot of decisions that we make because they don't, they either do or don't fit our process. And this is also why I say you you have to a fit your model to your personality. I'm a, I'm come, I come from it. I come from automating business process. So the first thing you have to do is have a repeatable business process so that I can automate. And for us, that means, you know, you're going to cook this the same way in blue Springs, as you will, in Kansas City, as you will in Overland Park, as you will in Lincoln, Nebraska. And that allows me to know that it's going to be a similar product. One of the coolest things in this whole journey was the first time I went to Lincoln. And I didn't personally set up Lincoln. That was our team did that. And so the first time I went to Lincoln after it had opened was like two months later after it had opened. And there were things that just kept me in Kansas City and I couldn't get up there. So I went up there unannounced. The management team knew I was up there. Uh, their management team knew I was up there, but the, the employees didn't, and they didn't know who I was. And so I came in, and I ordered barbecue nachos with burn ends, and I got a beer from the bar and sat down. And I was like, this is exactly 100% the same plate of nachos I could have gotten at any of the three Kansas City restaurants. That blew me away. I thought, you know, we could put a plowboy's barbecue on the moon and i guarantee the nachos are going to taste the same up there as they do here. I'm very very proud of that. That's not something that just happens. So for me that that whole repeatable process thing, i don't get to cook much anymore. You go into plowboys, i probably have not touched your food. I'm sorry to break that burst that bubble. <laughs> but but i still claim to that food. That is my food. Even though I didn't personally trim that brisket or season it or pull it off at the right temperature or the right feel, all my people did. They did it exactly the way I would. And they produce the same food I would have produced. At least that's the goal. And I think by and large, we do that. But if you have multiple locations, how are you going to cook and serve and be the guy slicing on the line? How are you going to do that? You can't. So what you have to do is focus on how can I make this? so that I can easily train people at multiple locations and there's a you know there can be a revolving door sometimes you're not going to the turnover in the restaurant business is high and so how can I replace employee A with employee B at some point and still keep plugging along like nothing ever happened that is to me where I spend most of my time that's where I'm making my time and energy investments in the business is that repeatable process so that I can keep it going. Cause man, you, if you've got something that's really specialized and it takes a lot of training and a lot of experience to get it right, you lose that person. Now what you got, you know, it's going to be you doing it. Um, now you're not paying attention to the other nine things you got to do. You know, I think that's the secret of our success a little bit is just having that mentality. And there are things that we don't put on our menu because they just don't work for us. It's not that they're not great ideas or um, they wouldn't be popular or profitable or whatever. They just don't fit our service model or they're things that I can't teach you how to do very easily. I can't wrap a process around it. So guess what? We're not going to do it and once once you get that culture to understand that it makes decision making a lot easier across the board you know my team the, the ones that i really count on they get it they totally get that they totally get the plowboy's way of doing things and they're bought into it that's a uh, that's just you don't luck into that you work at that you know you got to work at that all the time you know, keeping that core team around you, you know, sharing that same vision that you've got. To me, that's the fun part. That's what I love about what I do. I like barbecue. I love barbecue. I love cooking. I love building a business. I love building a brand. And so that's why I can make it through the 30 minutes of self-talk of why I shouldn't be doing this. And I'm still passionate about it.
0: <laughs> that's right. One thing I get out of this whole conversation is the answer that Levi asked me to ask you. And that is your IT background, your IT way of thinking. X-O-O-X-X-O. You have a recipe for a process. Yeah. The process is the way you hired someone, the way you have your beans made, because I promise you, you do the same process, your recipe. That way it's repeatable. The way that you're setting up your restaurant, the way you want the customers to perceive your restaurant, Yep. because of the wording you said, your service model. So if your service model is low key, home style, fast, casual, yep. whatever it is, you have that recipe to fit it. Absolutely.
1: And it, it's okay that it's not the same as somebody else's. It's what fits my personality. It f- it's what fits my brain. I love other concepts. I love going to other places and I'm in awe of what some people do. I couldn't replicate it. And sometimes those are the ones I appreciate the most are the ones like, oh man, I could never do this. And you know, those are the ones that impress me the most. And I I mean, I've got a whole list of people that I look up to that probably have no idea I look up to them, you know, and I just, I respect the hell out of folks that, that are putting in their time that are obviously passionate about what they do, and are obviously having fun at what they do. That's that's what I'm always trying to achieve, is just continuing to enjoy and have a passion and have fun at what, what we do. Because if you don't, that's what I had before. You know, I got burnt out on, on IT. I, I don't want another job where I'm going to get burnt out. I want something that I can't wait to get up the next day and get after it.
0: That's right. I want to mention this before we forget or run out of time, whatever you want to call it. One huge change that you've done is for your health. I just want to say congratulations. And I know it has been a long, hard battle. Yeah. Thank you. I look forward to the pictures. I see them every day on Facebook, dude. I think it's awesome.
1: Yeah. Thank you. And so so for anyone listening that doesn't know i I went from four hundred and twenty pounds six foot one guy to about two hundred and eighty pounds, and in that um, I dropped one hundred and eighty one pounds of body fat gained forty two and a half pounds of muscle, and just trying to I, I turned fifty and so part of that journey from 49 to 50 was to get in a lot better shape. And it went from losing weight to wanting better fitness and wanting to not breathe heavy, walking up a flight of stairs. And, you know, that's turned into, I'm there's in a lot of ways I'm the same guy, but in other ways I'm a totally different person than I've ever been before. And I was, uh, we had some good weather this last weekend and finishing up a big two year deck project and, um, some landscaping and, my wife was like, you're a different person. Like, you know, just watching me out doing these things, I probably couldn't have done them before, but just, you know, the the ability to just, you know, run around and just take care of things. But also the change has been good for me at work too, because just mentally I'm less foggy and I'm a little more clear on um what needs to be done at work and you know it takes a lot of mental energy so having good physical health I've even surprised myself at how much that's meant in my performance at work. So maybe I need to go back and be a skinny barbecue cook. That seems to work for Tuffy
0: <laughs> 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 Well there's there's always a peach cobbler and a cherry cobbler. You're <laughs> the peach. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well Todd tell everyone well, wait a minute. Oh, I forgot something very important. If you're familiar with the podcast, you know that here in the warehouse, we have a whole lot of injection needles. I have now injected you with a butcher barbecue podcast truth serum. I'm going to ask you a question. You have to answer it truthfully. Oh, crap. All this has oh, been a yeah. lie, by the way. So none of this has been truthful. So. <laughs> These, I've got a couple picked out that are pretty, pretty easy. They're not personal. All right. They're personal. All
1: right. Uh, First one, uh, briefs. What's the next question?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Not quite that personal. Oh, okay. But let's go just a little farther south. Now listen to the question. (laughs) Are you a sock sock person or a shoe sock person? What? A sock sock person? Do you put socks on both feet or do you put a sock on then a shoe Oh, and then a sock on then a shoe? Oh, sock sock shoe shoe. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's actually
1: sock, sock, pants, shoe. Shoe. (laughs) Okay.
0: There we go. See the truth serum shows through. I
1: I cannot tell a lie.
0: (laughs) Okay. If you need an answer, do you Google it or do you ask a friend on Facebook? Uh, Google it. You're a Google person.
1: And then I'll YouTube it and then I'll ask somebody. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I remember a few years back when Levi was still working in the meat shop. I said something, and he said, "Dad, we got Google. You don't. Ha- you can't lie to me no more." <laughs> Smart kid. <laughs> Are you an iPhone or an Android person?
1: Uh, iPhone. All. Yeah, I'm switching over to all Apple. I got a MacBook now, and I always used to say, you know, when they had the. See, I I started my career at Gateway Computers, so we were what was used to be called IBM clones, and this was back in '90. January of 93, I started with them. And so, man, I was a Windows, IBM clone person from like born and bred. And uh, when they had the commercials, you know, are, uh, are you a Mac or a, what was it, a, a Mac or a PC? I would always say, I'm a PC, but I'm Mac curious. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're getting real close, but are you a plain or a peanut M&M guy? Oh, peanut all the way. Almond Joy or Mounts? Almond joy. All right, Todd. That's all I got, man. Thanks so much. Tell everybody where they can follow you and stay up with you.
1: Plowboys BBQ on Facebook and Twitter, and Plowboys BBQ on Instagram. And I just started. Man, I don't understand Instagram for nothing, but uh, Daniel DivaQ has helped me, and and some other folks are helping me. So that's. It's a uh, Pitmaster Todd on uh, Instagram too. So I'm trying to make my way there. It just isn't intuitive. Even for an IT guy, I don't get it, but I know that's where <laughs> all the kids are these days.
0: So. <laughs> all right, Todd, I appreciate you a lot. I know how busy you are and this has been a long podcast. So I really appreciate the time.
1: Yeah, brother. It's always good to talk to you and hopefully we get to cross paths again soon.
0: Oh, we well, yeah, real quick. One thing it's still in my competition trailer years ago right after you opened we went up there and ate yep i got a black plastic Plowboys cup
1: oh man a collector. i
0: still have it and it's used at every competition there you go that's right we're rocking it all
1: right represent
0: todd thanks a lot you bet all you listeners go find todd and listen to this podcast and subscribe smash that subscribe button and be ready for butcher's next podcast